There you go. You're good. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Surprise episode of the Total Fan, uh, Total Bases Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, uh, I'm finally back from paternity leave. Uh, Sean's been holding it down uh, in my absence. I thank you for doing that, Sean, and being oh. patient with me as uh, baby Penelope is finally uh, in a point where I could take some time for myself and go back to doing what I like to do, and that's talk fantasy baseball with all my friends here. And congratulations, by the way, and welcome back. I'm so glad to have you back. I'm super excited for the podcast. Yeah, man, I can't wait. Um, I mean, we, I mean, we were still doing you know fantasy baseball stuff, right? But it's just we weren't doing it. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, episodes anymore because yeah. of well, the pandemic was part of it, and then me being away for the baby. But I think we would finally have some sort of normalcy with the baby being able to kind of uh, not need so much attention, and we have baseball seasons back. So. Yeah. And the reason we didn't uh, announce anything because we've been trying to get an episode going for about a week now. But it seems like our- <laughs> yeah, everything was just it wouldn't sync up, but we got it today. And even though it's a little bit of an earlier time slot, uh, we'll be sure to have it audio only on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So if you miss us now, uh, you'll be listening to us later. Fantastic. All right, let's get going. We do have a hard stop uh, in the afternoon, so we got a lot to cover. And we just mentioned the pandemic. Fantasy baseball in the age of the pandemic is our first topic. Um, it has completely turned everything around. Sean, uh, what do you have to say about that? Oh, wait, uh, I just have something to say about that really quick. <laughs> if, you, if, if you spare me a couple of minutes here. It, it's been frustrating, man. It's been absolutely frustrating. I mean, I figured that there was going to be a, a lot of uh, unknowns, a lot of uh, chaos. I didn't realize it was going to be this chaotic. I mean, you got a couple of teams who can't uh, follow protocols. Yep. And then when they're actually on the field, you know, the pitchers aren't pitching as deep into games. Bullpens are being overused. Bullpen rules are not defined for a lot of these teams. Uh, people going on the IL because they're getting the virus and, and they're getting sick and or just being overworked. So it, it's been it's been pretty brutal. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, Sean. How do you feel about this? Yeah, it's really been tough, especially, you know, when news broke about this time last week that – uh, Miami was just going on hiatus. I mean, they were taking a spring break trip essentially to their <laughs> hotel rooms in Philadelphia where they were quarantined for basically the entire week. Uh, I think their bus finally got down to South Florida. They, they took a bus to somewhere, Baltimore, or something like that. And um, But it, in the fantasy world, it's it's been really tough to try and find replacements because not only has it been you know teams like the Marlins and Cardinals that have been postponed and aren't playing. It's also their opponents. So it affects double the amount of teams. Uh, MLB has done their best, you know, to try and change the schedule on the fly. You know, the Yankees ended up playing the Orioles instead of the, the Phillies like they were supposed to. But it's getting really hard, you know, especially for us. We have the semi-weekly, and we really rely on our starters making their starts when we expect them to. And then when two hours before the game – their start gets scratched you're scrambling to make sure you we actually hit our innings limit because i know i've been pretty lucky most most of my guys have made their starts sans maybe one or two players but other players haven't been as lucky yeah and if i see like if a player of mine especially the pitchers if i see a a, a player of mine having to play miami especially in our semi-weekly league the fantasy baseball life fan tracks league I'm not. I'm benching that player. I'm not taking any chances on possibly having to face the Marlins this uh, on one of these periods because who knows if they're going to play at all? If, if that's going to be more games that are postponed or 
And then on top of that, you got to worry, are, are my players going to get sick because they're playing the Marlins? So yeah, it, it sucks, man. Uh, I, like I said, I figured it was going to be a lot of chaos. I figured it was going to be, you know, frustrating times. And the reality of this is it has gone a whole new level of frustration with me and just, just, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it's, but you know, that's the thing about what, what we're always preaching on this show is you have to adapt to your surroundings. You have to adapt, adapt, adapt at all times. It's a different year, causes different issues. This yeah. one has a lot of issues this season, 2020. So, but you know, the games must go on. And uh, if we're here to, if we're in it to win it, then we, we must adjust and do what we got to do. Right. Yeah. And you, you would say that uh, has your hitters or your pitchers been more affected uh, with the pandemic? I would say my pitchers. Uh, Your pitchers? Just, I would, would say just yeah, because of my three leagues, right? You know, because in the Fantrax League, too. You would, you, I know you wanted to point out, well, you lost one Soto for the first week or so. Yeah. Yeah, but my other worry was I look at my pitching staff like, holy crap, I don't have enough starts. I look, <laughs> I look in my other league, my, my points league, and I'm like, holy crap, Noah Syndergaard's uh, out for the year. Uh, Keone Kella has the virus. Hector Neres has the virus. I have no closer. Ken Giles has got a forearm uh, uh, issue that might affect this elbow as well. So I have no closers anymore, and I'm not even looking, I'm not even bothering to find closers at this point because the roles are not defined anywhere else on these teams. If you don't have a top 10 closer that's healthy right now, you don't have a closer at all. You just have yeah. a bunch of uh, darts uh, thrown throwing at a dartboard, and you're hoping for the best, right? Yeah, and, and that's the thing is we've seen kind of relief pitching get just thrown into the wind. Uh, two, I mean, your, two of your best closers from last year, Kirby Yates and Liam Hendricks. I don't even think Kirby Yates has a save. He's really struggled his first two or three appearances. Uh, Drew Pomeranz, the free agent signing, he's actually swiped in there and gotten two saves for him. But on the other hand, starting pitching has been dominant. Guys like Shane Bieber, Sonny Gray, Jacob DeGrom, these guys are just being dominant in their first two starts, which lends me to believe that pitchers have the early advantage so far in this season. Partially probably because most hitters, you know, in spring training, they get 25, 30, 45, sometimes even 50 at bats. Meanwhile, before this season, they had two games, two exhibition, three exhibition games. And I think the most telling stat that shows just how much of an advantage pitchers have had so far is this slash line, 155, 253 on base, and a 244 slugging. That is the combined slash line of Christian Yelich, Ronald Acuna, Cody Bellinger, Alex Bregman, and Peter Alonzo. That's, those are some five of the best fantasy hitters from last season, and they're not even close to the Mendoza line. I mean, Ronald Acuna has struck out in almost half of his at-bats. He finally hit his first home run last night against the Mets. Christian Yelich is one for 27. He has an exactly zero BABIP because his one hit was a home run. Cody Bellinger is still taking some walks, but he hasn't gotten going. Alex Bregman hasn't gotten going. Peter Alonzo is drifting back and forth between swinging at everything and actually having productive at-bats. But the guy who hit 53 home runs has yet to hit one, and we're nine games in, and he hasn't hit one home run. It's amazing to me that pitchers have been this dominant, which usually in a regular 162-game season, I always feel like it's your pitching that carries you down the stretch. 
But with how this season is situated, I believe it's going to be pitchers dominant early with hitters getting hot maybe two or three weeks before the season ends, and the hitters are going to carry their teams into the postseason. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, especially, I mean, it, we're still under the, what do you call it, the, the home run ball, right? We still yeah, have that the rabbit going. ball. I, that's what I call it, the rabbit ball. So we have that uh, at, at these hitters' uh, advantage, at, this, at these hitters' tutelage. So while that's going on, yeah, I could definitely see that. There, and also hitters aren't, they're going to be, for the most part, playing in hot weather, which is always another adage, right? Yeah. Wait till it gets warmer, then these hitters will heat up because right now it's too cold to be hitting a baseball, you know, April and May, sometimes on the north, uh, in the northern part of the world or uh, the United States and Canada. Well, maybe not Canada, but you get yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a good one. But for me, I, I, I get all that. I mean, I have Kristen Yelich in my, in my points league. You know, he's one of my keeper players. And yeah. He hit a home run against the Cubs last weekend, and I thought, all right, he's back, he's back. And then he's been going 0-4 forever, <laughs> striking out every time. I yeah, striking him. out a bunch just like Acuna. It's crazy. But what can I do? I have to start him, right? I I'm not going to bench Kristen Yelich just because he's yeah. struggling. What, what, what am I? A, a, a rookie here? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the thing is even though these great players are struggling, I think it is best that we preface all of this with saying it's only nine games. Yeah. Granted, nine games in a 60-game season mean a whole lot more, but in the analytical view of how we analyze these players, it's still nine games worth of at-bats. I mean, that's, that's one great week or one terrible week. That can be followed by a great week. I mean, it's people are freaking out, and I don't think they need to, whether that's about their players or about their own teams, whether it's about their real-life teams or their fantasy teams. I don't think you need to make any rash decisions after week one. Maybe if you start seeing the same things in week two and three, you got to find something and do something drastic. But don't overreact. Yes, players are struggling, but don't overreact to it. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. It's hard to not overreact because, like you mentioned, there's only it's a sprint this year. Yeah, right? T-Mobile, free T-Mobile <laughs> as well. But that's the thing, though. It's I guess with your established players, the first five rounds of your draft, right? The first six, the first ten, maybe you got to be patient with those guys. But for everybody else, you kind of just have to ride the hot hand while you can. Because yeah. I know I don't know if if we establish our feelings towards like certain players right uh you know we we get asked a lot you think this guy's for real like jp crawford's a great example and we'll yep. get to him in a second but you think he's for real and i'm like does it matter this year is he, is he for real <laughs> just ride the hot hand man yeah, is, is he for real right now if so he needs to be starting in your lineup he needs to be in your lineup exactly so but at the same time you got to remember it, it is jp crawford so you know yeah. he's not a for me he's not a long-term replacement because it as soon as he starts dipping, I'm, I'm already looking for someone else. So, yeah. So, yeah. And that's the other thing I was going to mention to you about this whole pandemic, Sean, is you, you have to be more vigilant on the waiver wire than in years past. Yes. I mean, I know most people look forward to making trades. Like, why would you want to this year? It's because the players you trade for, they might not play the whole season anyway. So you might as well cut your losses uh, and, and just look at the waiver wire constantly if you can, right? Yeah. I, I want to say I made all of my transaction limits in our fan tracks, baseball life league. Um, I didn't mean to make one, which prevented me from getting 
uh, a rookie catcher by the name of Dalton Varsho, who, once again, we will get to later. Um, I had tried to add uh, Zach Plesak after his great eight-inning 11K start. Uh, once again, starting pitching being dominant, that entire Cleveland Indian staff, uh, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger's gotten off to a little bit of a rough start, but Aaron Savale and uh, Zach Plesak were fantastic. Um, I tried to add Plesak, and I accidentally added Adam Plutko. And I, <laughs> I had to turn around and fix that. And then when I went to go add Varsho, it said, you have reached your transactions limit. And I was like, no. And then Mario Margola, of course, was very quick on the trigger. Uh, and once the news that Varsho was being called up, made sure to swipe him up. So you do have to be aggressive. You do need to be vigilant on the waiver wire. I think that's where teams are going to win. That's where they're going to replace their injuries. It's not going to be a lot of trades this year. It's going to be a lot of aggressive waiver wiring. And you're going to probably see players you didn't think would be dropped get dropped if an injury happens. Like I'm looking at losing Roberto Azuna in one league, and I'm contemplating dropping him because I need, I need the relief pitching, and he has the forearm thing. And whenever I hear a pitcher with the forearm thing, I automatically assume the worst. Uh, so, it, like you said, it's going to be a lot on the waiver wire. Well, let's get to it. Uh, I mean, in my, other, in my points league, I need, I need some help with the waiver wire, right? So, if I can just share my screen and do my world-famous or infamous um, – data uh excel sheets and <laughs> can you see that yes i can see that that is your pitchers yeah those are the pitchers i was looking for okay. i was looking to drop josh Lindblom, who i kind of picked up because he was supposed to get two starts and there's another one i don't even know what the hell he did i just see that yeah i don't think he got the two starts in like as i was promised he has back spasms oh so, and the so, brewers also missed a couple of games this weekend with the cardinals yeah. because of their postponement so and that's a weekly league, so that's yeah. I missed out on two starts that I was promised, and I, I might not get any starts, and I'm 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 losing ground already there. Uh, and, and even when he was out there, he's not doing very well. I mean, as you can tell right there from the 55.6 hard rate, uh, hard rate against. Uh, maybe it wasn't a good idea to pick him up, but you know, he did show some promise. Uh, and uh, this is the list I had: so Zach Davies, Spencer Turnbull, Randy Dobnik, Michael Vaca, Taiwan Walker. Josh Limblom and Alec Mills. I am butchering them on purpose, folks. I do know their names. I'm just, <laughs> when, now, I see a, when I see a W, I, I can't help but pronounce it as a V. So yeah. So that five and six right there. You know, I was never sold on Limblom or Limblom coming back. You know, he was kind of trying to pull the whole Miles Michaelis go overseas, develop a new pitch, come back. But I the, the, his pitching stuff really hadn't changed aside from adding a a relatively nice splitter, but. I mean, if you still don't have the the velocity to keep hitters off of it, uh, you're going to have a tough time. But looking at some of these names, we have talked about Spencer Turnbull. I kept, I, I feel like I mentioned his name a lot, even though he was kind of riding under the radar. You know, he had the the 17 losses last year, so he was pretty much fantasy irrelevant. But I saw the underlying stats; he had a great breaking ball, but he was using a sinker instead of a four seamer. Wasn't really optimizing his strikeouts, but through his first two starts. He has faced a really good Cincinnati Reds lineup, and he's gone five innings with eight strikeouts and six innings with six strikeouts, only give up three runs in between the starts. Um, he's a guy that if he's available, you need to go at him. And then you have guys like Taiwan Walker and Michael Waka, who, like, did we just go back to 2013 or something? 
these guys are actually fantasy relevant. Uh, Michael Walker struggled last night against the Braves, but he had a great start versus the Red Sox. He has one of the best changeups in the game. His velocity is hitting back up to 94, 95. I haven't seen Walker pitch, but he just had a great start. I don't know the details of it. I need to go back and watch. But these are some interesting names. Uh, guys like Randy Dobnak, Mills, and Davies don't really tickle my fancy. But Turnbull, Waka, and Walker are three guys I'm definitely keeping an eye on. I already have Turnbull in our Fantrax League, and I'm so excited. He's been my best starter so far, him and Glasnow. Yeah, and I wasn't going to go after the, the guys from 5, 7, and 8. Uh, line item 5, 7, and 8, which is Randy Dobnik, Alec, Alec Mills, and Zach Davies. I, as you can see, I'm annotating with my drawer there. Yes. I was, I was not going to – but I was still – you know, you never know. You always want to be curious about these guys and see what they yeah. can do. But at the same time, yeah, the top three right here, uh, Turnbull, Walker, and Walker were the guys – it sounds like I'm, I'm a Muppet right now. Turn will walk on Walker. Uh, those were the three guys I was interested in. And I was, and I was talking to you last night about it. And I, okay, I'm going to get Spencer Turnbull because the stats confirm what I, what I thought of, what I already knew was that Turnbull was the best pickup. And somebody snatches him right up. And I blame my baby because I had the baby to myself last night. And she, while I was making uh, this research, while I was doing this research, she started crying bloody murder. And I had to kind of pay attention to her for about an hour. And then when I finally got back into it and talking to you about it, oh, Yankees fan, you snatched them up right from my hands. God damn it. <laughs> always blame it. Yankees are ruining baseball. Yankees, hashtag Yankees ruining baseball, always. <laughs> Fucking Yankees fans. Uh, so I ended up with Michael Waka, and uh, he had another Mets player to add to my list of Mets players. Like, the more I want to avoid Mets players, the more they bring me back in. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, so that's that list. Um, but, yeah, I think – you and I agree that the top three on this list, Turnbull, Walker, Walker, were the best of the three. And yeah, and that's probably the order I would go into is Turnbull, Walker, Walker. Uh, this is being sorted by, oh, by velocity. <laughs> what a coincidence. So there you go. And it is interesting to note that Taiwan Walker is still only 27 years old. He's about to turn 28. But this is a guy, he came up very young. He really, he's only thrown over 150 innings twice. In the last three years have just been devastated by injury. But the stuff was always there. It was all, He was also one of those guys that he didn't really strike out as many people as you would think his stuff would suggest. So if he's somehow able to rebound and make a career out of it again, uh, that's going to be a great story. That, that's a great human interest story as well as a fantasy baseball story. Yeah, I was, I was always a big fan of Taiwan Walker, man. I, I was – like, I had him up here. But, I mean, you mentioned 2013. He has a soft spot in my heart because 2013 was the first time I got into sports writing. And I used to always hear about Taiwan Walker. And those Mariners. A big, so big-time prospect. The Mariners had a freaking farm system. And that's the reason why Felix Hernandez decided to sign that seven-year deal with the Mariners, even though they're the Mariners. And, <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, I mean, you had Taiwan Walker, James Paxton, uh, uh, Danny Holson. I think that's yeah, Hulk, hey, he he just made his Cubs debut last year or yes, this he, year, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think you're right. Uh, and then not, not you know, Nick Franklin, uh, Brad Miller. I mean, not so much Brad Miller, but I'm thinking about the other guy, Dustin Ackley. I think is the other guy who I thought hey, was going to be Jesus next. Montero. Yeah, well, after he got traded, yeah, to to. so yeah, man. And Taiwan Walker, I thought was the best of that Mariners bunch, uh, and I, you know, was I bought in heavy for him, and like I said, he has a sauce with him because. That's when I started my whole sports writing career. And what, seven years later, we're now talking about Yeah, him and you're still talking about him. And he's back. He's back. 
All right. Well, always good to talk about Taiwan Walker. If he has hope, then we all have hope, right? Yeah. That's baseball in 2020. So moving on, um, we talked about, oh, we already talked about the sample sizes, uh, the established players. You already mentioned uh, Christian Yelich and guys like Alex, Alex Breckman, right? Yes. So let's see here, um, which I guess brings us to, did we also talk about how, what we should do, how we should uh, treat these small sample sizes already? Don't overreact. Uh, I think we're, we're that, that was the big label I'm going to put on these guys. Don't overreact. It's nine games. Yeah. So, okay. So that's what I wanted to say is like for the, those established veterans, right? Like those, yeah. the, the first 10 picks of your, of your draft, right? Unless there's like a, a drastic, horrific injury that happened. Yeah. Even though it's a small sample size, you guys got to be patient with those guys, the Christian yeah. Yelich's of the world. You got to be patient. You, you have no choice. I mean, yeah. You're, 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 you're stuck with them. <laughs> you invested heavily on them. Yeah. And when is the right time to cut them or trade them? I don't know. Cause I know it's only 60 games, but you know, you don't want to be that guy that trades away a, a superstar because you didn't have the patience. Now, conversely, if it's a, on the back end of your bench or the back end of your draft, those guys, and if they're not doing anything for you in the first week or two, then, yeah, you got to get rid of them and go with a hot hand. I mean, I think this past week, uh, Sean, we were, at, we were asked about J.P. Crawford. Yeah. Is he, is he, can, he, can he do this for the long term? Like, what long term? It's 60 games. Pick him up. <laughs> yeah, and, and you were talking about how you needed help on your infield in your points league as well, your middle infield, and J.P. Crawford was a name I suggested. And that kind of brings us to these post-hype prospect sleeper breakouts. I think I just combined so many fantasy terms in the same thing. I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself. But J.P. Crawford, you know, he came up, he was a top 100. I, I want to say he peaked inside the top 25 with the Phillies, and he just never – got it with him he'd always been a, a slick fielding uh good plate disciplined shortstop but when he came up to the majors he just didn't hit the ball hard enough to really get it out of the infield or in any sort of driving the ball to the outfield and that led him to be traded for dream gene segura uh two years ago and he's been in seattle and the plate discipline's still there he has posted respectable walk rates. I believe it was about 9 or 10% last year, and he's around that same ballpark this year. And he's starting to hit the ball more. There's been a bit of a swing change, a stance change. Um, I don't buy in that he's, you know, the, the batted ball data for him is great. He's, like, smoking the ball. But once again, small sample size. Um, but – it does lend me to believe that, hey, this is a guy who always had good plate discipline. He's still really young. Maybe that hit tool is starting to develop. Maybe he is starting to bulk up a little bit. Same thing with Colin Moran, a guy who was the basically the headliner in the Garrett Cole deal and has struggled for a year or two, but he was always a hitter. And then he got up to the majors and struggled, and now he leads the league in home runs. I mean, it's – Thing life comes at you fast. Colin Moran's the MLB home run leader. How many had that on their MLB bingo card? Can I just mention that I also wrote glowingly about Colin Moran for uh, for Mario Margola's portfolio uh, pitch uh, after he got off to a hot start the first couple of weeks of the season about a year or two ago, and we never heard back from him ever again. <laughs> but uh, don't be fooled by Colin Moran. Sometimes he'll do this to you. But again, he's a hot hand. You got to take advantage of that if you can. Yeah. And the, the, the best thing about Colin Moran right now is his batted ball data is fantastic. He's smoking the ball. Basically, the only person hitting the ball harder than him is uh, Corey Seager. Mm -hmm. um, 
it, but his BABIP is still only 267. Partially because he's hit five home runs out of, I believe, uh, his total amount of hits is it can't be more than 10. But so that would make the BABIP a little bit lower. Yeah, he has nine hits and five of them are home runs. Expect that to come down. But bat 321, 367, I could see him being a 290, 300 hitter with a plus on base percentage. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Of course, he's not going to slug 893 over a full season. He's not Barry Bonds. But oh oh yeah that's that that's a cap um that you you got me flustered now but um yeah so JP Crawford uh, Colin Moran guys that are if they're available go get them ride the hot hand be the person that gets them and puts them in their lineup and wins a week because of it don't be the guy that says oh I was gonna add him but I wanted to see if Trey Turner. Yeah, I wanted to see if Trey Turner was going to get hot, which he's a guy we'll talk about later. Well, we're, we're saving that for later. Um, but Teoscar Hernandez, another guy, he's been around and had never really reached his potential. But now he's starting – he's in a better lineup. That Blue Jays lineup has improved all around. And he's starting – he's still hitting the ball hard. So uh, those three guys, look for them. If they're there, pick them up. Be the aggressive person in your league. Don't be the passive one. All right. And speaking of which, uh, you mentioned J.P. Crawford. If we can just change gears a little bit and go back to my points league, I have another spreadsheet to share because, let's face it, this Total Basis Fantasy podcast is not complete without me constantly bombarding you guys with spreadsheets. (laughs) Can you see that, Sean? Yes. All right. Oh, uh, they want you to change your name, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Henry. Um, so, uh, Tim Anderson got hurt. Uh, I believe it was a groin injury, which sucks because he, there's a guy who he's basically JP Crawford, but he, I already drafted him. Right. So he's, he he's JP Crawford with no plate discipline. I'm sorry. That's, that's <laughs> what I meant to say. He's the opposite spectrum of JP Crawford. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but with the same, but it's the same production or at least, yeah. uh, it could be close to the same production in terms of batting average. That's what I meant. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so so I I, I got I'm, I'm I'm already have a a big mess at middle infield for various reasons right injuries yeah. uh just, I I think I drafted Colton Wong as my second baseman and I thought oh. I could maybe yeah it's not good. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry so, did I say that out loud <laughs> yeah uh, uh, yeah I, I anyway um Freddie Galvis was my replacement second baseman for Colton Wong and I figured Tim Anderson would be my shortstop and then the shit the fans so now i gotta scramble and here's my big list of middle infielders available in my uh points league and uh there's freddie galvis and I'm, I'm thinking to myself yeah maybe he's not my answer at second base maybe i should start looking for second baseman or a shortstop because he qualifies at both so yeah. i don't know of that of this list that you see here uh sean who would you have thought i i, I would have gone with here <sighs> Dansby Swanson is hitting the cover off the ball, but he also has a very unrealistic BABIP. You know, it's well over 500. He's not really hitting the ball much harder, but he's hitting kind of the soft line drives, um, killing the Mets, absolutely killing them. He had like a five RBI game in that first series. Um, Donovan Solano for the Giants uh, has been batting right behind Mike Yastrzemski, who is currently leading all of the majors in war at 1.0 nine games in so he's already picked up a major league leading 13 rbis because he's also leading the league in batting average at 448 
which if you're batting 448 behind a guy who has an on-base over 500, you're going to get a lot of RBIs. So Donovan Solano, if he's available, you know, ride the hot hand. He's not going to do it the whole year. I'm not saying that, but ride the hot hand. Uh, Hanser Alberto was one of those guys we talked about when we made those great lineups out of terrible teams. Um, (laughs) He had a high batting average last year. He doesn't hit the ball hard, but he crushes left-handed pitching, which when you look in that division now, the Yankees have four left-handed, like what, four left-handed starters, three left-handed starters. Uh, The Red Sox have a couple. Um, and he crushes them. It, I saw on Twitter, it was really funny. They said, uh, if it was a, a league that hitters only faced left-handed pitching, um, would Hanser Alberto go one or two behind Mike, in front of Mike Trout or behind Mike Trout? <laughs> and, um, I mean, it's just so weird. He's like the, a totally different hitter on that side. But um, there's a couple of interesting names there. Shed Long. Jose Peraza, and then my favorite, Nick Madrigal. He's still hitless. We're hoping for that first major league hit, and hopefully once it comes through, uh, they're going to come in bunches. So fingers crossed for him. And this is sorted by uh, weight runs created plus. uh, The little filters in the way, but that's uh, supposed to be a plus. Oh, there, right here. So (laughs) negative 100, only after two games. um, You know, I'm not as high as many White Sox fans are on Nick Madrigal, but I I do – I do understand that he comes with a very high uh, hit tool. Uh, yeah. He makes a lot of contact, and the contact that he makes uh, is supposed to be hard hit contact. Yeah. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But you know, uh, he's supposed to be the next Jose Altuve. I don't know that, all about you that. see that that when Jose Altuve came up, he had this great hit tool, and everyone said he has no power. He yeah. was a doubles, triples, forty-five, fifty steel guy. That's kind of the profile I see for Nick Madrigal now. He hits a little bit too much. His his line drives have a lot of top spin, so they usually bounce, you know, like right where the edge of the grass is. So he needs to work on getting it out of the infield. He has plus speed, but it's not elite speed. Uh, right. He can steal bases. He's a solid base runner. And he has a 3% strikeout rate in the minors. Over 700 plate appearances, and he struck out 21 times while walking 51. This is an elite-level points league possible producer just because of how little he strikes out, how high his batting average could be, and how high his on-base could be. And if he can somehow get out of the nine-hole and hit one or two in that White Sox lineup in front of the big boppers like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, you're going to have something special. For not only Madrigal, but he's going to make the hitters behind him better because he's going to be on base. He's going to be putting pressure on the defense with his speed. And the White Sox lineup is a whole mess of things uh, at the moment. As I think Robert was still hitting number seven, and Jimenez is just moving up slowly but surely to number six. And like, and I, it just frustrates me because those guys should be on the top half of that lineup, not the bottom half. But you know, veterans. Uh, yeah. There's a hierarchy. Blah 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 blah. But the thing with Madrigal is. Uh, Little known fact about for those who don't live in Chicago, uh, the, one of the radio hosts here on the local radio uh, sports radio station, uh, he has uh, given him the nickname of Slappy, and that's the nickname <laughs> I like to call him, Slappy Magical, because, yeah, I mean, he's a little guy who, all the reasons you just mentioned, he's not Altuve. He could be. I mean, if that's his, uh, if that's his ceiling, then thank God. Yeah. But I don't see it that way. It's a, he's an undersized second baseman. Uh, who is just a guy who's full of skills, and I don't know how much athleticism that he has. I don't think he's as, as athletically gifted as Jose Altuve is. And again, these are, you know, it's all relative. And yes. Different spectrums of love. You guys should know by now. Okay. But the guys I went with, 
I did go with Nick Madrigal just because he is a prospect, just because he is a very highly sought after prospect. And I figure, well, if anything, I'm, it's just the, another way to piss off the White Sox fans. There's like about two or three of them in, in that in this league. So might as well just pick him up and see if I can uh, take advantage of his uh, high ceiling if it ever comes to that. But, you know, I trust him over some of these other guys. I do remember you talking about Hanser Alberto, and, and I was this close to getting him, but I'm like, no, no, no. I There's something about him that I don't like. I can't quite put my finger on it. I should strike while the iron's hot, but I'm not going to do that. And I did go with Dansby Swanson as my shortstop. I'm yeah, good good pick. I, I think that's the – he's batting number two in today's uh, Braves-Mets game. They, so they – even the real-life teams, they're riding the hot hands. They see that Dansby's hitting the ball really well and that Ozzy Albies was struggling, and they swapped them in the lineup. Uh, Albies had been in that number two slot basically all year. Yeah. Um, if Swanson's batting two and Acuna starts, you know, producing a little bit more uh, – uh, Dansby Swanson, I, I that would have been the guy I would have suggested if you were trying to really go for it. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you said that he's been killing Mets pitching. Well, if that's the case, they're going to face each other like a million times this year, right? Or, yep. Oh, uh, we're about to finish up a series. It'll be seven times, and then they don't face each other till the end of September. But uh, Got to take advantage. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for, for sure. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Hopefully this solves my issues at shorts, uh, at the middle infield. I mean, I got a long-term prospect in Nick Madrigal. I got a, a, another pulse-hype sleeper uh, prospect. So that sometimes fast. And Dansby Swanson, I was close to getting Carter Keeping, but I need to see more of him. But, I mean, it's a solid list of players, but it's also a, a list of guys who are going to be there because it's it's there's a lot of depth going on in the waiver wire at middle infield. So I went with the guys I could trust at this point. So... I don't know if you tell me uh, if you're watching, if you can see the screen, tell me who you guys would have gone with from this list. I'll keep it up for a little bit as we try to change gears a little bit. Uh, before we get to the rookies, I know you want to talk about rookies. Uh, Henry, our fearless leader uh, and member of our fantasy baseball fan track league, does have a question about Chad Green. Now that Tommy Conley's out for the season, Chad Green. Uh, and it goes in, in part with the whole um, – pandemic right and how teams are utilizing these pitchers the starting pitchers and I think we talked about before the show Sean that it's also negatively affecting the relief pitchers yeah uh, you, the guys who were supposed to like before the season started who had the role penciled in as the seven eight maybe even the ninth inning guy the, those late inning relief pitchers I mean shoot they're talking about Oliver Drake pitching in the fifth or sixth inning just to you know yeah, the game going. yeah. The the Rays really pulled a fast one. They had everyone thinking, "Oh, Nick Anderson's going to be used as the fireman." Oliver Drake picked up two early saves in the season, and then next thing you know, right after everyone went and added him, I'm guilty of it. I went and picked him up in our fan tracks league, and then the very next day, he's pitching in the sixth inning. So it just goes to show you, you have no real clue who's going to be closing games. Unless you're a Tigers fan and you have Joe or and own Joe Jimenez in fantasy because he's pulling a Shane Green 2019, and even though the Tigers are not a very good team, he already has a league leading four saves. He's gotten a save in each game he's appeared in. He has a four and a half K per nine. He's not striking anybody out. But guess what? He has four saves, and in fantasy, that's really valuable. Like I hated Shane Green last year. But through two and a half months, which is essentially what this season's going to be, Shane Green was leading the league in saves. So it's whether or not you believe in these guys, if they're getting the opportunity and they're, you know, somehow coming through, you need to be the one that has that guy in your lineup. 
And I remember we talked about those closers. There was like a, a list of four closers at the back end of, uh, of my list. And I, I can't remember at the top of my head, but one of the guys was uh, Keone Kella and uh, Joe Jimenez, which yeah, I'm purposely butchering his name. Uh, <laughs> Jose Ho Jimenez. Uh, sorry about that. Um, I don't trust Joe. I mean, I've always liked Jimenez, right? Because he, yeah. he just he has a blazing fastball, and, and, and if he could just put it together, he could be a dominant closer. But, you know, it's, there's something shaky about him. But what I do love about Joe Jimenez, he's guaranteed the opportunity because the Tigers are still going in with that old-school model that our closer is a closer because he's a closer. Screw it! You know, that's if he's a closer, yeah. then you go and draft that guy. And they uh, don't have some elite offense that's going to blow teams out. So there are exactly. going to be a lot of close-run games. And if he goes out there and produces, then you need those saves, especially in a Roto, uh, Roto League or Categories League. Which brings us back to Chad Green. Uh, I forgot, is Aroldis Chapman still injured? I can't. I can't yeah, he's, 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 he's rejoined the team, but he is, I still think, on the COVID injured list. Um, he still looks bulky and muscly as ever. I believe he was, like, lifting every single weight known to mankind while in quarantine because he was asymptomatic, and they said he was able to stay in shape and condition and whatnot. So that's always a plus. I'm glad he's feeling better. But he should be re- rejoining the team shortly. So I'm just looking at the roster because Tommy Conley is one of those other, uh, you know, like if you're in a, in like in a league that keeps uh, a tab of holds and low whip and, yeah. and low ERA and high strikeout rates, that's a guy to get easily. But this season, I don't know. I don't know if these roles even matter, especially for a team like the Yankees who are just loaded with relief pitchers everywhere. I mean, I'm looking at the roster resource right now. They have Zach Britton as a, as a closer for right now, but you still got Adam Adovino, Chad Green as a late setup man, Jonathan Holder, Jonathan Loisia, uh, Luis Avila, and all those guys. I don't know where, where Chad Green falls, but usually Chad Green is the de facto long inning relief guy uh, who's there to eat up innings, and he's able to do that. But if you're looking for him to like maybe steal a save or get some holds or or whatnot, I mean, I don't see him not going too far off his usual production in terms of like all the sets i just talked about yeah i just don't know what his role is i mean it says he's a late setup guy but we all know better right sean yeah i mean it it's just managers are managing some of these games like they're already in the playoffs exactly and and they're going to try and win every single game and if that means using josh Hader or uh who God, who's another closer off the top of my head? Kenley Jansen. If that means using them in the seventh inning when you have runners on base, guess what? Dave Roberts and Craig Council, that's what they're going to do because all of these games are just that much more important. So roles be damned. Find a good relief pitcher and cross your fingers that they give you saves. I, I think that's the strategy I'm adopting. Uh, that's all I can do. Uh, because when you have guys like Cole Sulser, for the Orioles, um, Taylor Williams for the Mariners. These are guys that have two saves apiece. There's only a hand, like five or six or ten guys that have two saves. So it, I wouldn't recommend going and getting a Cole Sulcer because he has more saves than Roberto Ozuna. But at the same time, it's you got to be wary of these guys just in case they do take the job and run with it. You want to be ahead of the train and – grab them off the waiver wire. Now, I'm taking a different approach with relief pitchers because, as you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, – I like to keep track of relief pitchers, as silly as that sounds, because you never know, right? You, that's yeah. why I, I, 
I'm enamored with the Yankees uh, belief core because they're so useful in the leagues that I set up with you, uh, especially uh, in roto leagues and categories leagues and such. But with me, it's like this year, I, I, I am not going after anybody. Like I'm not uh, chasing anybody in particular. I'm just kind of waiting it out a little bit. Um, I still have, I believe I have in our fan track seat, Jose Alvarado as a guy who maybe can pick up some holds for me. Yeah. Holds is a category. But usually I um, I just pounce on these relief pitchers like like a, like a loose football. Like, huh, I can't believe Kirby Yates is out this like a couple years ago, right? When before he was a closer. Uh, it was uh, Brad Hand was still the closer for the Padres. And I'm looking at Kirby Yates like, oh, my God, Kirby Yates is available. You guys are crazy. And I pick him up and I just put him in my relief pitching uh, slot and I just get the low ERA, the low whip, and the holds and all of that. This year, I'm not a, as aggressively pursuing them. I'm just taking a wait-and-see approach because of the different – uh, the nature of these games, there's 60 games. I know we can't say that enough, but it's 60 games this year. Yeah. I think you put it perfectly saying their managers are treating these like playoffs because it is a sprint. Yeah. You don't have time to like, well, well, we'll put in our fifth best relief pitcher to see if he can get us out of this fifth inning. You can't do that anymore. You gotta, if, if, if the other team is threatening to score runs, a lot of these teams like uh, screw that. Let's bring in Josh Hader. Let's bring in uh, yeah. Oliver Drake. So, so, I would, so to go back to Chad Green, because I feel like we keep circumventing. Um, expect the same from Chad Green, but I don't know about the saves, if that's going to happen. But Yeah, especially if Chapman, he uh, uh, Henry did say that he has been activated. Um, if Chapman's available, he's going to get the saves, I would think. Uh, they have enough weapons, Adam Adevito, uh Chad Green. I think those are going to be the guys that you see in a fireman role while Chapman retains – the purely ninth inning closer. He, he might be one of the few that has – he is there. He is not going anywhere else. That's his but job. That's like Chapman's always my number one relief uh, pitcher. Even though that team is loaded with relievers, there's no question who the main closer will be. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that Josh Hader was like a lot of people's number one consensus coming into this season, but I'm like, no, I don't think so. Not with that Brewers. The yeah. Brewers uh, love to use them. A lot. So anyway, enough about relief pitchers. Uh, Chad Green. So short, long answer or a short answer. He's expected the same from Chad Green <laughs> moving forward, as uh, he will not be a setup man as soon as Chapman gets back on the team and will just be relegated to whatever he's been doing the past few years. Uh, you wanted to talk about rookies, right? Yes. Go ahead. So we have had. There's been you know what nine, ten games played so far. Um, there have been 68 major league players that have made their debut in these last 10 games. That's – I wish I could go back and do some, like, Elias Sports Bureau historical research on it. That'd be really cool how many – if that's the most that's ever made their debut in 10 games. Like, it has to be pretty close. Um, leading the way for the rookie hitters is, you know, mega prospect uh, Luis Robert, Robert. I'm not really sure how they pronounce the last name. But uh, he has the most hits of any rookie. He has the most home runs of any rookie. Um, he's still not walking. He's swinging at everything. But guess what? He seems to have a really good contact ability. We'll see how pitchers adjust to him. Uh, but other names that aren't as highly sought after as uh, Luis Robert are Andres Jimenez, shortstop prospect for the Mets. He was a surprise to make the opening day roster. And he's actually appeared in every single Mets game in some capacity, whether he started been in as a defensive replacement or as a pinch hitter. Um, really good speed, good defense. That The defense doesn't really help you in fantasy, but it could get him in the lineup. Ahmed Rosario, the shortstop for the Mets currently, has really struggled. And if he struggles more, 
Andres Jimenez could find himself in the lineup as the starting shortstop. Uh, Nick Madrigal, we already talked about another guy to focus on. That second base job is basically his, and he's only played two games. Uh, Dalton Varsho, a catcher who's also capable of playing all three outfield spots. And the Diamondbacks manager is Tony Tor- Tori Lavello. Lavello, I believe, is the manager. I'm not sure. Um, he is going to be used off the bench for now, but they're saying that they're going to play him at catcher and outfield. Um, this is a guy who went 20 home runs and 20 steals in double A last year. So that's like the production that everybody looked for in JT Real Muto like three, four years ago. Um, and then Edward Olivares, outfielder for the San Diego Padres, also killed it in double A in the Texas League with expanded rosters. He made it with a, a great summer camp and spring training, you know, several months ago. And he's, he's picked up a few starts. Uh, Will Myers has been DHing a lot as well. So that opens up playing time for Olivares, who has a nice power speed combo as well. Um, are there any rookies that you've really seen that are, that have caught your eye so far? Uh, Luis Robert. <laughs> For <laughs> obvious reason. He's in uh, two out of my three leagues and uh, you know, he's uh, on my, on the white Sox, And so I hear it from Matt Bush every single day. Did you see that thing that Luis Robert did yesterday? Oh my God. <laughs> he's like the biggest fan of his. So yeah, that's one guy. Um, but I honestly don't keep track of rookies like that. I, you know, they're either called up or they're not called up in my world. Yeah. So I really don't have anything off the top of my head except for Luis Robert because he's the obvious one uh, for certain reasons. Well, um, to, to go back, you said, you know, you're struggling with relief pitching. And I have three relief pitching rookies to go along with a couple of starters. You know, Brady Singer was a top prospect. Uh, first my time. Yeah, and he's already made two starts for Kansas City. Um, even though he doesn't have overpowering stuff, he has really good command which um, over at Pitcher List, they have the statistic called um, uh, CSW per, or CSW percentage, which is the combination of your swinging strike and your called strikes. And he actually posted anything over 30, 32% is considered very good. And Brady Singer with so-so stuff is at a 34 and a half C, uh, caught swinging percentage. I, th- I think that's what they call it. Um, and Nate Pearson, of course, he made his debut. And he – everyone talked about, you know, Nate Pearson throws super hard. And then he came out in the first couple of innings, and his fastball really was like 93, 94, and I was a little bit worried. And then as he got to the – he was dueling Max Scherzer. It was awesome to watch. Great curveball. He has great command. Um, and then as he got into that fourth and fifth inning, it started creeping up 96, 97, 97. And it, it reminded me so much of a young Verlander, how he was throttling like that. Anytime I see a pitcher like that, I always think of Verlander in Detroit, how he used to do that. Uh, Chris, uh, Christian or Christian Javier uh, for the Astros. Of course, they're being decimated. Speaking of Verlander, they're decimated on their pitching yeah. front, uh, both in, in the rotation and the bullpen. He is a guy who in 2019 at three different levels in the minors, uh, high A, double A, and triple A, posted a sub one whip, even though he had a 4.7 walks per nine. It almost seems impossible to do. He did it because he was striking out 12 and 13 per nine, and he was just unhittable. He was so unhittable that he walked guys that that much, and he made his debut against a really potent Dodgers lineup and posted a 36 caught swinging percentage. Um, Mets rookie David Peterson, I just wanted to give him a shout-out. 
Uh, he's kind of a Mark Burley clone. I'm not really sure if he's fantasy relevant, but could protect your ratios if you need it. But to relief pitching, yeah. this is where I wanted to help you. Blake Taylor is a guy that was traded by the Mets to the Astros in the Jake Marisnik deal. Left-handed reliever, really came on strong last year. He's already appeared in, I believe, four games. He's thrown six and a third innings, seven strikeouts, only given up a couple of hits, one walk, and like seven strikeouts. And they're utilizing him, and this is why I think he'll be valuable, um, both him and Brandon Bielek, another Astros bullpen arm. They're both being utilized how Chris Davinsky was two or three years yes. ago when Davinsky was one of the best relief pitchers, non-closing relief pitchers, and he was yeah. super valuable. Both of these guys are being utilized just like him, and Bielek reminds me a lot of him because he has a great changeup just like Davinsky did. And also Cody Whitley is a St. Louis Cardinals relief pitching prospect. He's already called up, made his debut. Yeah, I see. Write it down. Go help your fantasy team. I know I'm giving you free tips. Uh, I haven't picked up these guys yet, so I'll give them to you. Uh, but, yeah, Blake Taylor and Brandon Bielek, if you don't have them, go get them, especially Bielek in most leagues. He is starting pitcher and relief pitcher eligible. So if you're in a points league, you can insert him into a starting pitcher role if you don't have, you know, a starter going that week or something like that. Uh, Henry just uh, mentioned that they can't find Yohannes Cespedes. No show. The team cannot reach him. Uh, you're a Mets fan. Any uh, intel on that? Uh, I've been a very vocal uh, detractor of UNSS, but as everyone during summer camp saw him hit a couple of home runs and catch balls behind his back in left field. This was a guy the last time we saw him in 2018 was a 30% strikeout hitter. He was all or nothing. He was basically up there guessing. Granted, when he guessed correctly, if he sat fastball and got a fastball, he could launch it a hell of a lot far away or if he sat breaking ball and got a breaking ball. But that's the thing. He was a guest hitter. He's still a guest hitter. Um, he struck out almost in 50% of his plate appearances. I think he's at like 45 46%. I mean, it's rough to watch him at the plate. And I think the Mets might have a quick trigger with him because they do have other DH options like Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis. So uh, Henry might be trying to pick at me, but uh, – I'm not a big believer in Cespedes to begin with, so joke's on you. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, any other rookies you have for us before we nope. move on to the – Those are the big ones. Uh, Pearson, Javier, Singer uh, in the bullpen. You got Taylor, Bielek, and Whitley. All right. Let's go on. We've been mentioning the Fan Tracks League. That's the Fantasy Baseball Life, uh, the, the unofficial official baseball, uh, Fantasy Baseball League of the group. So let's talk about it. Uh, first off, you, sir, are not only in first place, but you've been crushing the competition. Uh, let, you know what? Let's let's share that screen. I, I do have the league up. Um, I don't want to take my victory lap just yet. <laughs> I'll just do it. It's all, it, it, it two games. I, th I think two games in our league equals to like. Well, we were supposed. You know, we're a semi-weekly league, so I guess that would be what. Shoot, uh, maybe. I think that might be like. 10 games already for you? Can you see the standings? Okay, yes. Um, I just want to go back and correct uh, Henry when he commented. I thought he was just saying that since Cespedes was being so bad that that's why he has not been heard of. But Cespedes is not at the ballpark. He did not report at all. He was not in the lineup. Uh, he has not reached out to the team. They do not know where he is. He is literally missing. 
<laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. Um, so just to throw a wrench uh, on this season, <laughs> just when you didn't think it could get worse, you want to oh. suspect. Maybe he went to Magic City. I don't know. Maybe he fought another pig and he's afraid because he lost again. I don't know. But in all honesty, I hope he's okay. I hope nothing bad has happened. Fingers crossed. You know, that would well, be terrible. Getting back to... Uh, to fantasy you, baseball. <laughs> well, that's fantasy re- relevant. Yes. There's a lot of guys who did, or a lot of people, I should say, that did trust you in a suspicious comeback. And now look, he's nowhere to be found. But you are killing the competition. I mean, not only are you undefeated, but as you can see, the points for... No one's even close to you right now, and the run differential, so to speak. I mean, you. This is dominant, man. How does it yeah. feel? I've had a couple of good weeks. Uh, is that okay to say? I, I'm. I, I believe my pitching has really carried me, which is funny because if we go back to draft night, I had all of Noah Syndergaard, Luis Castillo, all of these guys that were sniped right in front of me, and I really I pivoted and I got guys like Tyler Glasnow who started off really well. Uh, Spencer Turnbull I picked up uh, Julio Urias Zach Wheeler only made one start but it was a really good start uh, Ross Stripling has given me two wins in both of his starts for the Dodgers and guess what Turnbull Stripling these are all guys I didn't draft I picked up I mean so you have to be aggressive especially when you know Clayton Kershaw went on the IL and that all but guaranteed a spot for Ross Stripling but uh, my pitching has really carried me I did not think pitching would be my strength um, I've gotten a lot of stolen bases, which was kind of my plan all along. Getting guys like, you know, Jose Ramirez steals bases, Trevor Story steals bases, uh, George Springer steals bases. So that plan is still working. My batting average is a little lower than I'd like it, but everything is kind of working as intended so far. You're too modest, man. I mean, dude, you have 17 and a half more points than the second place guy right here. Uh, I, I, is that, I think that's Jim Gray. I think I remember Jim Gray. This is what I don't like, though. I wish they had the, the owners. Yeah. Next to me. That's what sucks about it. Anyway, even when you hover over it, it doesn't tell you who the owner is. Uh, so, yeah, that's Jim Grave, though. I just checked right now. But, yeah, you're 17 and a half points ahead of Jim Grave, uh, according to how they – I guess, what, they're keeping track of the, the number of wins, so to speak? Yeah, the, the, the categories you win. That's essentially what it is. Each category you win um, – when I faced Aaron the first week, I won 13 categories, I believe. Um, yeah. And we tied for four. And then in the second one, I won 17 categories. That's insane. You're, you're blowing the, the, the and, wall. In um, um, week three, I don't want to rain on your parade, but I'm winning 18 categories in week three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not week three, period three. Remember, we were so uh, Yeah, yeah, period, period three. I'm sorry. But uh, period four – Tomorrow through Thursday, it's mano e mano, me versus you. We'll see how many uh, oh, categories I can pick up. Is it rivalry week already? Yeah, it's rivalry. <laughs> Put on the hats and jerseys, people. Yeah, forget forget the podcast. It's murder now. Uh, <laughs> hey, but you know what? Juan Soto's coming back. I know my offense has kind of sputtered. I have a lot of bad hitters on my team, but hopefully with Juan Soto, he'll carry everybody with him. So I'm, I can't wait to see him uh, – perform and produce for my team but uh like i said jim grave and our buddy jet uh are the only undefeated teams in this league everybody else is one and one and then the the two teams uh, the three teams haven't won a game uh henry maldonado who's uh still with us although he just said that he he thinks that they're two quote-unquote shitty losses i don't know what that means he feels maybe he got shafted i don't know 
uh, Aaron, our fearless admin and our various life groups is still without a win. And I forgot who the Will Ponzi's are. That I believe is Jacob. Oh, Jacob. I'm sorry, yes. dude. So, <laughs> so basically all, all of the admins uh, in, ver- in our various life groups are still without a win. So, <laughs> so but uh, it's still, uh, but the good thing about our league is that, yeah, we, you have Monday and Friday to, you know, fix your lineup and see if you can get the uh, extra categories uh, two weeks at a time as opposed to just waiting for the long week to end. So yeah. hopefully they can turn things around. It's still early enough, but it is a sprint as we've been preaching here. And I'm winning my game this week, so I feel good about my chances. Uh, you're dominating, like you said. Uh, you know what? Since we're already here, let's tell me if you could see that. Um, the live scoring. Yes. All right. Let's look at the matchups and... So yeah, I'm winning 15-7 against, I forgot who that guy is. I think that's James Handeboat, the former yes. Long Island pitcher. Yes. Okay. Uh, you're, you're crushing a guy who's the, supposed to be the second best team in the league. You're just killing him. So we're screwed. Our buddy Mario <laughs> Mercola is uh, making mince meat out of Jacob right now. Uh, I believe this is Mike Harvey's team. Molina yes. is better than Trout. Yes. He's defeating, I forgot, Andrew O'Sullivan. Andrew Sullivan, right? yes. Okay. And this is the hey Aaron, Aaron alert. She might get her first win if she keeps it going. I don't know. She's got that one category leader. As uh, Henry knows, the meme that I sent him was the uh, the crying. Oh, did somebody lose by one category? <laughs> well, shoot. Right. Well, speaking of Henry, he's losing by eight categories against Matthew Whelan. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Henry can pull a comeback in today's game. But it's not looking very likely as. Uh, Looks like King Poopy is going to be 0-3 after this period. So there's their standings. Uh, you also wanted to mention some uh, some uh, league leaders in our league. Is that correct? Yeah, oh, it was just a statistical uh, guys. You know, and we already touched on a couple of them. Uh, Donovan Solano is leading the league in batting average. He's leading the league in RBIs. Oh, you were actually able to get to that screen. Yeah. Um, Tommy uh, Fam, that that kid, Tommy Fam has five stolen bases. Net, net stolen bases. Net, there's no, he has five. No, he's plus five. Yeah, but that means he's stolen at least five bases. Holy he, moly! I did yeah. not think he had stolen that many. Yeah, I kind of named, I kind of uh, dropped his name earlier when you were talking about stolen bases, and I went like Tommy Fam, and uh, I don't know if you caught that or not. But no, yeah, I did man, not. He, I did not realize he had that many stolen bases. But um, yeah, I've always liked him. Uh, talking about steals, uh, kind of transfer because uh, I'm. I think we got the most uh, home runs was Moran, batting average and RBIs. Solano uh, taking advantage of batting behind Mike Yastrzemski. Tommy Pham really does have five stolen bases. Holy moly! Yeah. Um, and it was so funny because he's dealt with a couple of like hamstring injuries the last year. And a lot of people, he's older than you think. He's like 31, 32. And a lot of people are like, oh, what if this is the year that Tommy Pham decides to stop running? Well, that was me. Yeah. yeah, nine games in, here's your sign. <laughs> he's still running. But uh, I figured this was interesting since we're on the topic of stolen bases. The top four stolen base getters in the National League in 2019, Felipe, we have the same amount of Major League stolen bases as they do, <laughs> which is zero. Ronald Acuna stole 
37 bags last year. He has zero stolen bases. Trey Turner stole 35 bases last year. He has zero. Imagine all those people that spent a first-round pick on Trey Turner, and it's ten, almost 10 games in, and he hasn't stolen a base yet. Um, and then uh, Gerard Dyson, who's borderline fantasy relevant and maybe a five outfielder league just for his stolen bases. Him and Christian Yelich stole 30. Well, guess what? Christian Yelich isn't getting on base, so he can't steal bases. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those things. That's the price you pay if you really do reach for stolen bases. Um, meanwhile, if you view Tommy Pham as a guy, hey, he might give me a couple of stolen bases here and there, and that was the reason you picked them compared to others, guess what? You are just rolling in the stolen bases Benjamins right now. I'm looking at some of these uh, statistical category leaders, and you got J.P. Crawford, Trent Grisham. Remember Trent Grisham, that was kind of like a, um, kind of a joke that he got traded or, yeah. or whatever. Or, or, or I, I remember that they were mocking that Brewers-Padres trade uh, where they basically swapped the same pitches for each other. And I forgot who, who went to the Milwaukee in this trade. Um, uh, Luis Urias. Oh, uh, Luis, Luis Urias. Yeah, Urias. Um, yeah, and then Trent Grisham goes to the Padres, and now he's a league leader in runs scored. Right yeah, now. I, I me- roughly mentioned Trey Turner. He's actually one of my duds of the season so far, and it's only fitting that you bring up Trent Grisham completely uh, un- unprovoked to say it, but Trent Grisham is one of my studs of the first 10 games of the season. This is a guy who crushed AAA last year. Um, he's off to a 273, 383, 636 start three home runs two stolen bases 10 runs he's batting second actually even though he's a bit of a more on base passive hitter um he's batting second behind uh fernando tatis that's a great spot in the lineup to be um he's i I found it only fitting that i talked about one dud and now i got one stud which is trent grisham and i'm glad he's up there as well yeah i just call him out when you see them but yeah uh, you know, let's go order by order. I, I had the singles up, and I'll put them back in there. Kyle Lewis has been a hot commodity uh, in fantasy right now. And it goes back to late last season when he came up really late with the Mariners. And it just continues for this season as more people are now desperate for any consistent hitting. And, for like, you know, for better or for worse, he's considered to be a consistent hitter this year in this crazy 2020 season. He already has 14 singles. He's getting on base. And, uh yeah, David Fletcher is another guy who I, I David Fletcher was my worst player uh, on my cheat sheets this past year. So shows how much I know. And now he has ten singles to start the year out and hitting three ninety four, and <laughs> and he's uh, been a saving grace for that Angels team, especially yes. when Mike tried out for paternity. Uh, yeah. There's your guy Hanser Alberto. So uh, yeah, all the guys. Uh, uh, it seems like we talked about these guys already. Uh, Dansby Swanson is also up there, so it's no, um, it's not a coincidence that they're uh, they're supposed to be highly sought after free agents and waiver wise right now. Yes. Uh, over at doubles, I had Christian Walker in my points league and I dropped him, so I, that was premature on my part. And now I'm desperately looking for a first baseman right now as well. No, did somebody claim him, or, or have you been able to get him back? I don't know. I wasn't oh. interested in getting him back anyway, but <laughs> I, I think somebody did because I didn't see his name pop up again. So I, I yeah, I. I Started believing all the Diamondback fans telling me, oh, he's not even that good. He's not even that good. So that's what I get for listening to Diamondback fans. Uh, there's my guy, Tim Anderson, again, in my points league uh, with four doubles already. Um, Renato Nunez, who we talked about extensively in our Orioles preview, just because the Orioles don't have anybody. He's up there in doubles. Uh, 344 on-base percentage for, for him. That's 
pretty decent. Yeah, that's solid for Nunez. Yeah, uh, triples. JP Crawford again shows up. Brandon Lowe. Was that Brandon Lau? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Lau. 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 Yes. Uh, he's uh, surprisingly up there. So uh, we, I just had the home runs up. Colin Moran, Taylor Hernandez, Aaron Judge. Well, these two guys, We, those were your uh, yep. sleepers of sorts. Yep. Uh, Christian Vasquez, uh, proving Vince Merck and Daddy Wright that he might be a top five catcher, even though I kind of smirked myself. But guess who picked him up in his points league? <laughs> this guy right here, because I'm desperate now at this point. Uh, Miguel Cabrera up on the leaderboard as well, so that's good to see his name up. Uh, RBI, uh, Donovan, you, you mentioned him earlier, Donovan Solano, league leading yep. RBI, because Mike Yastrzemski playing like his grandfather. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he really is. And Kyle Seeger is kind of coming back to form. He's not hitting the ball as uh, great, and I didn't really get to talk to, about him as much as I wanted to. His brother, Corey Seeger, is just – Corey Seeger has as many barrels – uh, which, you know, is the certain exit velocity at a certain launch angle. Um, he has nine barrels. For comparison, the entire Minnesota Twins, a team full of absolute boppers, also has nine barrels so far. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's insane. Um, so a healthy Corey Seager could be huge. Also, a Kyle Seager that's back to what we know would be huge as well. I mean, granted, it's not a great lineup, but if J.P. Crawford and Kyle Lewis – you know, they're going to regress a little bit. But if they can still maintain some form of good production, Kyle Seager is going to be the guy batting third, fourth, or fifth, knocking them in. Yeah. And it looks like he's changing his approach a little bit as um, he only has one home run this year, but playing in Seattle, I, you know, I wasn't expecting him to hit a lot of home runs. But, yeah. yeah, he's definitely taking advantage of all the base runners. Let's quickly move to the pitchers. As, uh, we already talked about stolen bases. So. Can you see – uh, you, another Mariners player, you say... Th- those are all the ones that are just available, I think. No, no, no. What? That's not That's not total. That, that's, oh, I yeah. am so sorry. Yeah, yeah there right. you go. <laughs> I was going to say, Shane Bieber has that uh, has that for you. All right, let's start with uh, quality starts. Uh, it shouldn't be too many. Uh, okay, that's no, a, they're they're all going to be tied in. Wins, uh, no. innings pitch, maybe. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, Shane Bieber. 14 so what yep. seven innings every time he goes out uh, he uh, he went six and eight i believe uh, yeah so we should have just said strike that's my bad so shane bieber uh dominating the strikeouts max scherzer second we just talked about him being in a uh what do you call it a, a, a pitching duel with the rookie nate pearson yes. and sonny gray who's another guy i think you wanted to talk about sonny yes gray. uh kyle Bodie from driveline baseball uh, has taken over over there at uh in cincinnati um they brought in, they did a lot of work with him. Uh, Sonny Gray is one of those guys who he had a lot of issues in New York. Uh, what, what was it? They wanted him to throw the slider and he didn't like his slider. He liked his curveball. Well, it turns out his slider is a pretty damn good pitch too. Uh, he's been using it as well as his curveball. He's really limiting hard contact, getting a lot of swings and misses. Uh, Tyler Chatwood was a guy I was not expecting to get off to the start he's gotten off to, but, um, Dylan Bundy, of all the guys that I see right there, I think Dylan Bundy's the one I'm most excited about because yeah. I, I said earlier in previous episodes that if there's one guy that could take that Patrick Corbin level leap and just start throwing his slider way more and throwing his fastball, which is not great, less, then he could be a really good pitcher. Well, guess what? Dylan Bundy started throwing his fastball less, his slider more, and he's been throwing more curveballs on for the first pitch of the count. 
He's like sneaking up on these guys. He says, okay, I'm going to throw you a lollipop curve, get ahead 1-0 because I know you're, you want a fastball and you think I'm going to give you a slider or something. But he's got, gotten ahead with curveballs and then he's gotten the great swings and misses like he's always done with his slider. Um, once again, another one of those pitch mix change to go with uh, Spencer Turnbull that really could unlock another level for Dylan Bundy. Yeah, I'm excited for him. I knew that he would love pitching in Los Angeles as opposed to pitching in Baltimore. Yes. Uh, he's still kind of shaky about it, though, because, you, you know, you, you don't know if you should trust the guy because he appears to be damaged goods, but nothing like a change of scenery to uh, get a guy going again, as he was at one point a very highly regarded prospect in his life. Yes. He's finally pitching up to promise. Uh, we talked about re- relief pitchers earlier, and there's Joe Jimenez there with Taylor Rogers, who – um, what do you call it? Uh, my, my buddy, Matt Bush, we were talking about the White Sox twin series and we were looking at Trevor May and how impressive he looks. And he asked, why isn't Trevor May the, uh, the closer there? Taylor Rogers. They love Taylor Rogers in the ninth yep. inning role, despite the fact that I think he's left-handed, right? Yeah. And he's left-handed and Sergio Romo actually picked up a save as well. Um, granted, I think I went back and I heard that the main reason Sergio Romo picked up that save was he was already warming up in the eighth inning when the Twins took the lead. So they just went with him as well. But the fact that Taylor Rogers is left-handed, um, depending on the matchup, Sergio Romo might vulture a couple of saves from him. Trevor May might as well, you know. But I think they do like Trevor May in more of that fireman role, you know, whenever they need help. So, Yeah, I agree with you on that one. But uh, but that's another thing we got to worry about now, right, in this, uh, in this convoluted, chaotic yeah. season is – in terms of relief pitchers, if a guy is, like you mentioned, is warming up in the eighth inning, odds are he's going to go in the ninth inning because you might as well. You're not going to waste him. Yeah. You're already warming him up. You might as well put him out there and see if he can close the door for you, especially a guy like Sergio Romo. Who but has all that experience. has that experience, but that doesn't mean that, oh, well, we got the lead now. We're safe. So, Sergio, sit down. We'll, we might use it tomorrow. Taylor Rogers, start warming up. No, it, it has completely gone off the, uh, off the what we know as normalcy in, in terms of bullpen usage. And, yeah, so it's, that's another uh, another uh, thing, another variable to consider when you're trying to figure out which relief pitchers can I trust this year. And I'm almost afraid to hit the holds button here. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, I did not expect. <laughs> hey, another. There, there's Rogers. the brother. There's the, the brother. brother. <laughs> I saw him pitch last night, man. He's he's a weird one. The submarine delivery and it just baffles uh, it baffles the hitters. I think they were facing the Rangers last night and they didn't know what to make of him. Yes, he is very funky. Very funky. Uh, there's your guy, Justin Wilson, who is uh, uh, getting some cheap holds there for the Mets. Um, but, yeah, I did not expect Jairo Diaz and Rafael Dolis. And Buck Farmer is a weird one always because uh, every time I see him, I just kind of cringe a little bit because I don't know what to expect from him. Um, but it looks like he's doing okay for himself in terms of holds. So, yeah, uh, there's Anthony Bass, who is supposedly, supposedly – Taking over for Ken Giles supposedly we'll see yeah. about that they might just do they might just the blue jays i if it wasn't for ken giles they would just i believe they would just go bullpen by committee every year yeah but, um, but anyway that's that uh that's baseball in 2020 so far it's kind of funky it's kind of weird uh it's it's gonna keep you on your toes uh what, what else do you have to say about that i'm i'm glad it's back i hope it lasts and i'm gonna kick your ass next week uh, yeah, probably not. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm not. I don't want to brag. You, you might beat me. You have a very good team. 
No, I don't think so, man. I, I, my team is just hanging on a prayer, man. I'm just like, I'm using duct tape, band-aids, and paper clips. I'm MacGyvering it every single period uh, as I'm, I constantly use, my, use up all of my uh, – you only get seven. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I used my, all of mine up this week as well. So I ran out of paper clips last week. So I'm, I'm still stuck on tape and duct tape. I mean, I, I have a hole at first base because like that, that strategy of waiting at the very last minute to pick up a first baseman bit me in the ass. Uh, catchers, uh, I, 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 it looks like I, I, I drafted the wrong ones in Carson Kelly and Salvador Perez. I picked up the wrong catcher in Mike Zunino thinking that, well, he might suck, but at least he's going to be playing every day. And it turns out, no, he still sucks. I thought they were talking about fixing his uh, hitting and his uh, approach and all that. Uh, but Juan Soto's back, so hopefully he will rise up all the boats on my team. There was something else I wanted to mention. No, I, I slipped my mind. Oh, uh, I, I, match I, up this week. I believe you had asked earlier one of the reasons, I think, why my offense has done so well, even though I, some of them have really underperformed. But my th- my top three hitters, because uh, remember, I went four hitters to start off the draft, I believe. I think it was three or four straight hitters, and I was, like, in a complete panic because I didn't know what to do after that. But um, guess what? It's kind of worked out for me so far. Cattell Marte, Jose Ramirez, and Trevor Story. Marte's 12 for 35. Uh, Jose Ramirez, 12 for 32. Two home runs, five RBIs, and a stolen base. And Trevor Story, 10 for six with four home Ooh. runs in a stolen base as well. Um, and I, I got Kyle Tucker. He was sitting on my bench this past week, but he's starting to get playing time and breaking out. So really looking forward to it. I hope my guys can hold on, and I just need my pitching to stay healthy because, like you said, pitching seems to have gone. Everybody has it. Everyone's gobbling it up. And yeah. if you have an injury, uh, you're going to have to find a replacement fast. Uh, Henry's asking about Alec Mills. I don't like him too much for the Cubs, but – I mean. I, I, I want to say he's a pitch-to-contact pitcher. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. I mean, he, he performed well last year down the stretch when they used him as a spot starter. Um, I would keep an eye on him, but I wouldn't get crazy excited or anything like that. Yeah, I think if, he, if he's pitching two starts, you get him. Yeah. Um, anyway, last thing on the docket before we got to go. I know you have a hard stop right now, but I just wanted yeah. to talk about the fact that Mike Trout is on paternity leave. There is a baby Trout out there, a baby minnow of sorts. Um, and uh, he already has a baseball reference page, so we want to just, just kind of have fun with that. His initials what, what are BAT, B-A-T. <laughs> it, that's perfect. That's the best part about it. Beckham, Aaron, Trout. So like, that is not an accident. He's named after Tim Beckham and Gordon Beckham and maybe Henry Aaron Lewis. G- Gordon Beckham actually made a tweet about it. He said, I know this kid's going to have uh, a, a lot of uh, expectations living up to my stats. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sorry, not, I meant to say Henry Lewis Aaron, uh, Hank Aaron's the full name. So well, the question was that we kind of made fun of us. What is his, uh, what, what's going to be his ADP in Dynasty Leagues next year? And yeah, you, say, you have to pick him over Jason Dominguez, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, future I mean, pedigree, of baseball here. Yeah, pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit. Can you imagine being in a Dynasty League? Like, I want to pick up Baby Trout right now. And it's like, why is bat not in the player pool? I'm going to submit to fan tracks later today. I would like Beckham Aaron trout to be added to the player pool. It's a 20 year investment, but God damn it. It's going to work out for me. You know, I'll have the last laugh in 20 years. So I'm assuming I'm not dead from this virus, um, <laughs> but more importantly in baseball life, and especially in my world, 
is we're, we're trying to figure out a way how my daughter, my baby daughter, can, in 20 years from now, end up marrying baby Trout. So, uh, Hey, we're going to play matchmaker with them. Yeah, who knows? I mean, we got 20 years to plan it. They'll go on eHarmony in 20 years from now or whatever the equivalent is, and they're going to find out, oh, my God, you like baseball? I like baseball, too. So, or, or they go to college out on the West Coast. I don't know, but something has to happen so baseball life and Mike Trout can merge as one, so to speak, and we all are invited to the wedding. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming Mike Trout's going to pay for it because I ain't paying for that. Yeah, and we would definitely need to set up uh, some sort of uh, wiffle ball tournament at the wedding. You know, as part of the reception, you have like a whole wiffle ball field and we can all just play out there. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, so some people have soul train lines or they do the, uh, what do you call it, the shuffle. Um, Yeah, (laughs) we um, play wiffle ball with Mike Trout. (laughs) And Mike Trout's baby and and my daughter as well. So that should be fun. All right. Any last words from you, uh, Sean? Uh, I'm I'm happy to be back. I'm glad you're back, and I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. And uh, most likely, it's going to be a weekend thing for us. uh, Especially, it works well for us because Monday is lineup day. So hopefully, we could uh, keep this as a regular schedule. But I'm down for the weekends if you're down. Just keep me posted. For sure. Everybody, if you guys have any questions for us, you know where to reach us. We're in the baseball life uh, baseball group, and uh, we'll see you there. Have a good one, everyone. Be sure to catch us on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts under Life Group Podcast. And we will, yeah, in Stitcher as well. Uh, We will see you next week. Thanks for joining.